Welcome to episode 189 of the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. Okay, so a little bit late this week. Um, I've spent most of the last week working on the, the website for the uh, workshop. Basically, I've, I've spent a lot of time putting together a new website, new look, um, gone white rather than black because I, uh, you know, I think in snow, winter, uh, it's a nice clean page, I think. Um, so basically what you'll need to do though, I mean, today, because I've spent all of this time working on the new website, I haven't had a chance to, uh, to put together a transcript or anything or put together a podcast for this week. So I'm basically going to go through all of the details of the 2010 workshops and photography tours um, there's going to be something new as I mentioned we're, we're going to be bringing in the snow monkeys there for 2010 and also um, there's an extra day in the Hokkaido tour in the in the wildlife leg we've got various packages and things um, so you know there's a lot to talk about and we're just going to jump right in and I'm going to go through all of the main points um, if you if you've got a if you've got a, a computer with you, you know, then take a look at mbpworkshops.com website as we speak, and it'll probably make things easier. Um, but yeah, let's just jump right into it, and we'll we'll see what's going to happen in the 2010 Martin Bailey Photography Workshops and Photography Tours. So the, the main thing, as I say, uh, is that uh, next year we're going to be going to Nagano, which is a prefecture that is sort of uh, northwest of, of Tokyo. Uh, it's about a, a four-hour drive probably on the bus, and we're going to be uh, going over to a place called Shibuonsen, and then there's a you know, little drive up, a, up a, um, the side of a, uh, I'm going to say mountain, it's more like the valley wall. Um, and we go into a place called Jigokudani, and that means basically Hell Valley. Um, there's there's not really a lot hellish about it, but the name comes from the fact that you know there are uh, volcanic vents and things in there that, that heat the water, and so there was steam coming out, and so it got this pretty um, pretty scary name. But it's actually a, a, just a normal sort of valley, um, and. You know, so basically there we have the macaque monkeys or, you know, the monkeys that have become affectionately known as the snow monkeys. Um, and we, we looked at those a few episodes ago. I, I, I was there in a reconnaissance trip in um, February after coming back from last year, uh, from, sorry, from this year's workshop. And, you know, decided that a lot of people were asking for it. I decided it was time to add that to the trip. Um, but there are a number of things, uh, other changes as well. Uh, the other main thing is that the Hokkaido Winter Workshop as well, is it's gone from uh, nine days to ten days. And the main reason for that is because, you know, I, I do take uh, the feedback very seriously that I get from people uh, that, that join the trips. And people generally want a little bit more time to photograph the red crown cranes. And that's understandable. They're a beautiful creature. So, you know, I, I, uh, I'm only too happy to add that. Um, but there's so much else that we do during the trip that I wasn't prepared to, to drop anything else. And so it's basically meant that we'll have another day. But the good thing there is that it, it also means we'll have an extra morning, an extra chance to get the mist on the river um, from the bridge. And that 
is that's a highlight uh it was it was the the most beautiful part um in some ways of the 2008 tour and we we didn't get it in the 2009 tour and so you know the the problem there is that you know having one morning it's uh you know it you've only got one chance with two mornings obviously we'll have double the chances but um you know as i've said in the past there's nothing is um is guaranteed i was there for for four i think four maybe five mornings in a row at the end of december uh 2006 and i didn't get the missed any days uh so you know never never anything guaranteed when we're working with mother nature but uh you know the the just having an extra day there um will will give us another chance um so let's uh, let's sort of you know that's that's the main changes and there's there's actually a number of packages that will allow you to sort of mix and match and you know select which parts of the tours you want to go on um what i'm going to do is the i've made the snow monkeys the at the start of the trip uh, basically because snow monkeys are wildlife and then the first half or that's actually the first two thirds of the hokkaido trip is also concentrating mainly on wildlife with uh, the Japanese cranes, hooper swans, stellar sea eagles, white white-tailed eagles, and the uh, Ezo deer and foxes. Um, so you know, basically, if we do the the snow monkeys first, and then go on to Hokkaido, uh, the people that are only really interested in the wildlife aspect can then drop out at the end of the Hokkaido um, tour. Uh, sorry, you know, the first leg of the Hokkaido tour, and. If someone, you know, people are also interested in landscapes, then that's exactly what the last part of the the Hokkaido tour is. So you can go for the full thing, um, or you can, you know, if you're not so interested in the snow monkeys, then you can just go for Hokkaido. And basically, you know, uh, compared to last year, I've just increased the options. Um, there's a slight benefit of joining more than one. Um, you know, that I'm, I'll, I'll go into a little bit of detail later, but. There, basically, the, there are packages um, that will allow you to mix and match as well as uh, just like go for individual. Say, you know, you could just go for the snow monkeys, the wildlife leg of Hokkaido or the landscape leg, uh, you know, or any combination. The only thing that I would say is wouldn't really make sense uh, would be to, to go for the first and the last without the middle one. But, you know, if people say someone that lives in Japan or they want to do something else in between, I'm open to that as well. Um, but, you know, it's it wouldn't seem to make that much sense to me um so let me just you know i'm literally i'm going to be going looking down the page um clicking around with the mouse and that and looking down the the new uh page that i put together to to show people the details um so you know actually if you're at a computer it would be good if you could go to mbpworkshops.com right now and then we can look together um a little sort of side note here. I've, I've totally redesigned the website this year. Um, I I'd bought the uh, uh, what is it Adobe Adobe, Adobe uh, De- Design Suite Premium uh, CS4 uh, when it came out, and I basically have been looking forward to getting in in sort of sticking my hands in deep with the uh, some of the applications in there. And one of them that I've been wanting to try was Dreamweaver. Um, and I've got to tell you that the the learning curve is is pretty steep now. I I used to I used to use this sort of um, web design uh, program in the past, and I uh, I think I actually even used Dreamweaver for a while, uh, but it was a long time ago, a good ten years or so ago, and things have changed a lot. 
And so it, a lot of the effort that I've put in over the over the sort of the three or four days that I was redesigning the site, especially in the first day, was more about um, you know getting to grips with the with the Dreamweaver Dreamweaver CS4 product rather than uh, you know the actual effort of putting the site together. Uh, but there is a new look. Um, I've gone for white this time instead of black. A lot of my websites are black, um, slightly off black actually. Uh, but they. You know, because it's a winter wildlife, um, or like I often say, the winter wildlife uh, wonderland or winter wonderland sh workshop, uh, these uh, I've gone with the white because of the snow aspect. Um, but, you know, you'll see it in there. It's, uh, it's a relatively clean-looking site. There's a lot of information. Uh, so what I, what I would say is that, you know, when you, when you look at the main details, there are also some areas that uh, it says click to view details and you have to actually, you know, click to view the details. Um, but then there'll be some like, you know, that section will open up and you can look at the details within there. Um, but I've, I've put the really, really important stuff uh, right there on the top level. So you can, you don't have to click to see everything. Um, so anyway, you know, as we go down, um, I've, I'll just note that there are a bunch of, um, albums that are linked to thumbnails along the right side of the page and in there you can if you go in you can see some representative images of each each of the type of wildlife or uh, at the bottom there's landscape that we'll see um, on the tour uh, so you, know, you can click through those and take a look uh, there's also a bunch of testimonials on the right side from people who've um, visited tours the 2008 and 2009 tour um, you know, I may be updating these again, but it, you know, for now, there, there's uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six testimonials down the right side there. Uh, so you can take a look at those. I won't read them out today or anything, but you know, if you are interested, take a look at uh, what people are saying about the tours. Um, very kindly, I should say. During the tour, we've uh, you know most of the instruction as such. Um, I've started to really call it a tour and workshop um, because you know the a lot of it is about actually you know the tour itself and going to a lot of uh, locations where we have either beautiful uh, landscapes or the wildlife and so you know the the thing is i've found over the first two workshops um that we don't get a lot of time in the field um for like structured instruction and the, the main reason for that is just because there, there's always something to shoot and so you know, my, my plan from the start was to do a lot of the sort of the prep work for each location, either on the bus or once we're actually in the tour, you know, on the, the previous evening over dinner. Um, I'll, I'll explain a lot about what we'll see and then the, the difficulties of shooting at any particular location. And then I'll, I'll sort of prepare people um, with the knowledge um, or at least the basics for what they'll need uh, before we even get there. And then... As we as we start to photograph, I'll basically walk amongst the group. Um, people are often sort of spread out a little bit, um, and I'll just be sort of asking if if anyone needs any help. Um, I'll I'll maybe ask to see what they're shooting, and if I can see something with the images on the LCD, I'll I'll maybe offer a bit of advice. Uh, but generally, you know, it's I, I am active in sort of in the way I work with people, but it's. It's not really sort of like, okay, listen up everybody, let's talk about this um, for, you know, not very often. Um, it's generally sort of, you know, we get into in, in, into 
conversations um, in the field, but a lot of the time there's so much to shoot that people really just want to be right onto that. And then just getting little sort of nuggets as, of advice as we go along. Um, one of the, the main things that I do is, uh, is really try to, try to sort of make sure that people understand that I'm available. And so, you know, people often sort of give me a shout and, and I'll, I'll, you know, they'll ask any questions about a certain thing and I'll help with everything as much as I can. Um, and then sort of, you know, really make it a, an on-demand thing as well. Um, obviously, I mean, I do shoot at the same time, mainly because a, you know, I, I want to try and grab some of the stuff for myself as well, but the priority is always on uh, helping the participants to get the best shots that they can. And I will always sort of forfeit a chance to, to, to make that happen. Um, luckily when something, when stuff is happening, people are generally sort of well into their own shooting and really don't need me to sort of stand there next to them telling them how to do it. Uh, but there are sort of these little off times all all through the day, and uh, and so I'm always available. And, and like as I say, I will walk amongst the group and make sure that I give everyone a chance to ask questions. Um, there's the other thing, the other reason that I that I do shoot as well is because I find that you know it's very helpful um, for people to to understand what I'm doing, you know, my thought processes. That's part of the value that I'm adding. And so what I'll do is I'll, I'll be there and I'll be setting things up and I'll, I'll be constantly calling out to the group that, you know, we need, uh, you know, this, if, you, if you're set to ISO 100 and your aperture is five, F5.6, then you want to be at about, uh, you know, a, a fifth, 500th of a second or a thousandth of a second exposure, uh, you know, shutter speed. And so, you know, I'll generally be calling these things out all the time. And what I'm doing really by by shooting as well as you know you know bagging myself a few a few shots is keeping myself in the zone and and making sure that I'm fully aware of what needs to be done to get the best shots. So you know it's it's not all sort of uh, selfish sort of you know Martin trying to grab himself some images. Um, but then you know like I say between um, locations I usually spend anything from a, a few minutes to to sort of ten minutes twenty minutes or so explaining exactly what we're going to see when we get there and then we'll we'll discuss techniques that you want to know and generally sort of get the team ready for um you know for, for the location and then we'll go over that when we get there there are places where you know the um you know condi conditions willing we'll do certain things like uh, panning will definitely if we've got, say, the swans at the at the lake, which wasn't so good in 2009, but was great in 2008, what we'll do is we'll we'll actually stop and try as a group, and and it's good because there's not usually that many people around where we go to shoot the swans, uh, but we'll try as a group to sort of do some practicing the panning movement, uh, you know, how to stand, and really sort of work work on the technique. But again, this all depends on on the location and what we have when we get there. And I'll also have gone through this on the bus as well before we get there. So we generally play it by ear. Um, other things that I'll go into are, uh, in fact, let me just, there's a, there's a little thing that I think the fifth um, pull down on, where, underneath where it says details is, what will I learn? Um, and so, you know, basically I'll, I'll go through that here. Uh, we're talking a lot of, you know, the main thing is, is using manual mode, especially for the cranes and the eagles. Um, and a lot of the time, people don't really realize why they need that. But, you you know, 
after the after doing this for two two years now, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, people generally by the end of the first day have got a good reason, understanding of why they need it, and by the end of the second day they're sold on the fact that the, that manual is the only way to go. Now I won't force people to shoot manual, and they, and if you really can't understand why, then you know you, you obviously any of the participants can go ahead and and shoot how they are comfortable with, and you know I'd rather them do that and get get something that they that they're comfortable with. Um, but you know the 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 thing is shooting in um, aperture priority mode or shutter speed shutter priority mode with the conditions that we're in will result in a lot of bad shots. So. You know, I'm, I really want to try and talk people into into using manual at least for these specific uh, shoots, and then if it just doesn't work, then obviously people will be able to go back to how they how they would like to shoot anyway. Um, we'll talk about once, we, especially you know, with the birds and things, you've got to think about your depth of field a little bit, um, and also with the landscape work, we'll talk a little bit about hyperfocal distance and. Um, you know why it's useful, what it is, why it's useful, things like that. We'll try and get into stuff like the optimal focal length to be using, and um, you know, editing the scene in camera. The there are effective shooting techniques um, that you can use with post-processing of panorama stitching in mind uh, for landscape work mainly. Um, but you know, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit. As I said, panning techniques um, to track the, the cranes, swans, and eagles, things, and uh, you know the, the flying, um, you know birds, and uh, you know we'll we'll also talk a little bit about focusing techniques, as you know that's something that um, you know it, it can be tricky. Uh, there are there are things that you can do to make things uh, you know a little bit more easy easy for yourself, and also to really really get things sharp. So we'll talk about that. And then there's uh, stabilization techniques for telephoto lenses, and also some long exposure techniques that we'll uh, we'll get into with, um, you know, some of the the darker like early morning shoots and the landscape work. And uh, then also, you know, really one of the main things is is to stay how to stay safe and shoot, still get your shots in extreme weather conditions. Um, you know, there there are things that you have to keep in mind for yourself and for your gear. Uh, both from uh, you know a safety th- aspect and just to get good shots, and uh, also you know the one of the other things is that I, I've not really made a point of this in the past, but you do get a lot of exposure to the Japanese culture and the history. I, I'll often sort of I don't I'm not a historian, but I, I do know a little bit about certain aspects. And I'll what I'll do is when as we're going through the tour, I'll do a bit of a uh, a tour guidey thing sometimes, and and just tell people a little bit about where we're going from, not just from the photography side, but you know, in a general sort of, as you know, the why why it's named a certain thing and things like that. Um, but you know, you, you, we do spend uh, in Hokkaido, for example, we spend ten nights this for the full tour. It'll be ten nights, and all of the hotels are you know that they, they range from from very good to excellent, and the. You know, some of the the, the small port towns, the the hotels are not brilliant, but they're they're all good. Um, but then many of the hotels that we stop in are are very very nice places, and so we get a lot of nice traditional Japanese food. Uh, some of them have like a, a big banquet hall. Uh, one of them's even got a a Viking boat in the middle of the hall, and that's uh, that's basically well partly because the the Japanese word for uh, for a 
a buffet is uh, Viking. They, they say it's, it's a Viking meal and that's because of the big banquet sort of thing. And it means that you can just go up and grab what you want. So they have this big Viking boat in there. Um, but, you know, the, all of the hotels are nice. Most of them have hot spring baths or spas. And so, you know, they're pretty much even, I think I say on the page here, it is that even, you know, they'll, they'll please the most discerning traveler. And they really do, you know, they're, they're, they're very, very nice places. Um, so, you know, you, you do get a lot of exposure to food and that, you know, and the people in the hotels often um, will, will talk to us about various things. Sometimes there'll be there'll be a, someone in the hotel that speaks English and can speak directly with the team. Um, other times I'm, I'm translating and stuff, but generally we have a, a nice sort of Japan experience as well as photographic. Um, so, you know, the next thing that I wanted to go into is um, the itinerary. Um, let me just open this up. So this is one of those things that is a, a collapsible pane on the on the page. Um, it's a long table, so I, I didn't want to sort of make the page too long with that. So, But if you look into the details section, there's an itinerary section there. Click to view details, and then what you'll see is um, a quick sort of rundown of where we'll go on which days. And I'll go through that briefly now. Um, so the Snow Monkeys tour starts on Thursday, January the 28th, and we'll meet at 8 a.m., um, and then we'll basically take a four-hour drive or so over to Nagano, um, assuming that the the bus, that, you know, that the roads are not um, too blocked or there's no accidents and things. Um, and I mean, <laughs> heaven forbid, not with us. I'm talking about the, you know, with someone else. And then, because generally, what happens in Japan is, if there's an accident on one of the highways, then the police come and block the road off until they've got all of the evidence to find out who to blame for everything. And it means usually that the whole road is just is stopped for a, a number of hours. Uh, so we really we want to make sure that, that doesn't happen. Um, but there's an, there is a little bit of an insurance policy here, and that, which I'll explain. Um, so if we get there on time, and we'll, we'll, you know, which will be sort of noonish, then we will spend the afternoon in the monkey park, um, and that that means that you know we'll be we'll be there. It gives us the good thing about this is it gives you a, a maybe two to three hours. It won't be a you know a full afternoon because the monkeys actually go and do their own thing after about three four p.m. But having a few hours on that first day gives you a chance to acclimatize and it gets you in the sort of shooting mode. But then also you can go back and look at your images. It would be it on your LCD or on a portable storage or laptop if you have one. You and then you can see what you've the sort of mistakes that you were making on the first day. And keep that in mind on on the the following day. Now the the Friday, um, the 29th of January, we will get up and have an early breakfast, and we'll head off to the monkey park again. Um, the thing that we need to note is that we will go in our own bus. We'll we'll charter in a bus, but um, the monkey park itself is about a 30 minute walk across. Uh, uh, it's a very there's no sort of ups and downs, but it's about a 30-minute walk on a, a very narrow path through the on the sort of cut out on the side of a mountain, uh, or again, the valley wall. And so, you know, you, we will know what we need. Uh, we won't need to take everything that we, you know, that we would normally take, say, if we're in Hokkaido. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll take what we need so that we can, we don't get too tired. But then it's a good 30-minute walk. And then we'll get there sort of, you know, not long after it, after the, the place opens, um, and we'll shoot for the whole day. We'll 
take a packed lunch in the um, in the rest house. Uh, there's a little place where you'd leave the hot spa where the monkeys are and go into a place with doors on. Because if you if you take food out um, while the monkeys are around, they'll they'll attack you. They're they're generally um, incredibly patient. You know, I mean, you can literally. I don't like seeing this done, but you can literally stick your camera right in the face and they just ignore you. Um, but if you bring if you take food out, then they'll they'll have a go at you. Um, so you know the that's you have to go somewhere else for that. But then we'll go straight back, and this can be staggered. You know, we don't need to all go and eat together. Um, we'll play it by ear. But however, you know, the, there'll be a a packed lunch um, that we'll all eat uh, in the in that sort of hut thing, and then go back and we'll shoot until the monkeys leave. Uh, as I say, at about three or four p.m. Now the the last day, the Friday, uh, sorry, the Saturday, the thirtieth is an insurance day and what we what we'll do is you know depending on if say there was no um there was a, there was something that kept us from shooting on the first day or if the weather was just so bad i mean and this this is pretty much un, unlikely because even if it's really snowing it's good to, to be photographing in um rain is not very likely but possible um but say something happens and we just feel that we haven't got the shots that we want or or people are really, they, they just say, okay, no, I've got to go back. Then we do have an opportunity to go back on the Saturday morning. Um, the the reason that this is an option is because, you know, obviously, as I say, it's insurance, but also Saturdays, and th- this is another reason why I've timed it the way I have, you'll get a lot more people there. There's It's a, it's a day off, it's a holiday, um, and so the place will be packed. The, you know, like, like I say, this is why I've made it so that we'll be in the in the area on weekdays um, because it's it's less likely to be as packed. But on a Saturday, there'll be a lot more people there, and you know we could consider not even going back if we're all happy that we've that we've got a, a, a you know got we've bagged what we wanted to be wanted to get. Now, if we don't do that, we can definitely take a, a detour to see some scenery on the last day. Um, but then the plan is to start driving back to Tokyo by around noon. Um, and so, you know, we'll, we'll be back around 5 p.m. And then after that, people generally will disband for a day and a half. Um, people will go be able to go to their hotels um, and then spend Saturday evening, go out for some fun, you know, have a, have a drink or whatever. Um, and then Sunday can do a bit of sightseeing. And then we'll actually meet up again uh, very early on Monday morning to go to Hokkaido. Um, so again, you know, the, the reasons I've done this is because, A, I want people to be able to, to get the best shooting experience in Nagano with the snow, snow monkeys. Uh, so a weekday or weekdays were definitely better. And then also it gives people a chance to sort of wind down with, between the two, two trips and see a bit of Tokyo. Um, if people need, I will definitely help. Um, I'll suggest some hotels that they could book into um and then you know we we can maybe make that so that there are hotels at the airport because we're going to Hanada airport on monday morning and that means that you know people if they want to stop at Hanada airport then they're right they're right there for the for the trip uh, but it's not far by by trains local trains from the city either so you know we i can definitely help uh, by suggesting somewhere to stay and even out with the booking of, of the, that day and a half um, that it's not the the Saturday and Sunday nights are not included in the cost of the trip, um, so you know that that really is up to you to pay pay for all of that. But I can definitely help with the arrangements. Now, uh, Monday morning is uh, this is February the first, 
we're going to be off to Hokkaido. We'll meet um, nice and early. Um, I think we meet at sort of, sort of uh, I think it was six o'clock uh, sharp on the Monday morning, but that, I'll, I'll send these details out before we go. Um, and then we fly to, uh, let's see, Kushiro Airport. And from from there, we have a 40-minute drive or so to the, uh, the, the first location, and we'll start to photograph the red crown cranes. Now, the um, the thing is here, we're uh, we're generally going to be um, spending the whole day. We'll we'll arrive mid morning ish after the flight, and we'll spend the whole day um, shooting cranes. But we will be moving to different locations, uh, and again, these all depend on the weather. There's if it's a clear day, we go one place. If it's not such a clear day, we'll go to another place. There's there's a lot of things that I'll sort of have to decide dynamically. But basically, we'll be heading on to the uh, village of Tsurui by the end of the day. And we'll spend the first day uh, and the second day in a lovely hotel um, owned by a professional photographer called Wadasan. And this is the Hotel Taito. Um, and then basically what we'll do is the following morning, we'll get up early. on This is Feb 2nd, and we'll go and photograph the cranes from the bridge uh, over the river. And uh, this is Ottawa Bridge. It's basically a, a road bridge, but also there's a second bridge that's just for photographers, which is very nice of them, I thought. Um, but if uh, if you if you remember the images, you know, if this place gets the if we go to my, lower than minus fifteen degrees Celsius, we'll get um, mist on the river, frost in the trees, and it's just it's just idyllic. So you know, keeping our fingers crossed for that. We'll then go back to the Hotel Taito for breakfast, but then we'll go off to the place that we were at the day before for more cranes during the day, and then sort of repeat of the first day, but it really just gives us a, a chance to really bag that shot. So Because, you know, the, the cranes, depending on where you're standing, they do things, you need time to get them, you need to, to become accustomed to how they do things. And so we, we really decided that we just wanted a, a good full two days at them this year. Uh, sorry, next year instead of uh, the one day that we had this year. Um, following morning, as I say, this is Feb second. We'll be off to the bridge again, and then we'll we'll go either back to um, the what the Ito Crane Sanctuary, which is one of the places that we're thinking of going to. Uh, or you know, we could, if we're all happy, you know, we could also consider going off to shoot the Hooper Swans um, at Kushiro Lake a little bit earlier. But no matter what, um, we will probably head over there by around noon. And then on that night, we stay in a place called the Kusharo Prince Hotel. Um, by the way, uh, not all of the pages are in English, but there are links to all of the hotels in the itinerary as well. So if you click the hotel name, it'll take you, you can go and have a look at the, the hotel and what they have there and things like that. Um, on the 4th of February, the Thursday, we will go to... And Bihoro Pass, and this is one of one of the only real sort of uh, landscape shoots that we do in the in the first leg of the Hokkaido tour. Um, that's a beautiful place. After after that, we go back to the hotel for breakfast, and then we start a long drive to Daosu, which is the a port on the uh, the Shiritoko Peninsula. And you know, this is basically it's one of those sort of rest drives. If we see something nice on the way, we can definitely stop um, a couple of times, depending on you know on time itself. But um, generally, this is one of those rest drives. And if if there's nothing exciting to shoot, we'll just take a straight drive through to Laosu. 
and then in the afternoon we'll you know we'll look along there'll be probably eagles in the trees um might get some insurance shots there we did that this year as well um just sort of yeah, they're not great but if we couldn't get out on the boat on the following day then there'll be at least you'd go back with something that you could you know you'd have some eagle shots um, we stay in the Naosudaichi Hotel on the uh, Thursday night, and then on the Friday morning, February 5th, we uh, are hopefully going to be going out on a chartered boat out into the ice flow and shoot uh, images uh, like the ones we got this year. Um, the, there's the big Stella's, Stella's Sea Eagles, and there's the Whitetail Eagles. They're huge. The Whitetail Eagle is a few centimeters wingspan less, but that's about it. They're huge, big birds. Um, and you know, they, there's quite a lot of them. We bait them slightly so that they do come to where we are, um, but not overly. So there's not a huge flock. Uh, again, take a look at the images that I've posted as examples on the, in the, through the thumbnails on the right, uh, or go back and listen to the episodes. Um, actually, let me just check when they were, um, under the section, uh, the details section, uh, where it says, where will we go and what will we see? I mentioned that it's uh, episodes 178, 79, 182, 183, and 184, literally just a month or so ago, of this uh, the Martin Bailey Photography Podcast. Basically, you, um, you know, the, in those five episodes, I took you through the 2008 tour, the eight, uh, sorry, nine-day tour that we did this year. Um, so, if you want to sort of look at that, I do show a lot of exam, uh, listen to that as well as look. Um, I do show a lot of example images, but you can click through some on the, the mvpworkshops.com website as well. So uh, let's go back down to the itinerary. Where were we? Um, yeah, so Feb 5th, we're shooting the crate, sorry, the eagles from the boat. Um, and then after that, this, this may be a dawn shoot and it may be a morning shoot, depending on the, the conditions. Again, depending on the conditions, it may be no shoot. So, you know, the, this is one of the things... Um, it's it's part of the disclaimer. I I can't be held responsible for anything that we can't do. In the 2008 trip, this was not possible uh, because weather conditions just didn't allow it. So obviously, in the 2009 trip, I want a uh, 2010 trip. Sorry, I want to make it happen. Um, if it doesn't happen, then you know there, there's nothing we can do about it. But you know, the, we found that the trip was still great in 2008, even without it. Uh, but it was one of the highlights of 2009, so I'm really hoping that we can get out and do that again in 2010. Um, in the afternoon, we will actually... Um, oh, no, that, that is this afternoon. Uh, so, yeah, once once we've done that, we start to take a drive around the other side of the peninsula to a, a town called Utoro. And from there, we we shoot the sea ice, uh, sea ice the, the ice flow that will um, possibly be there. And uh, this is basically the ice flow that comes down the Sea of Ohotsuku and it it, uh, it sort of comes up onto the to the shore, uh, right, you know, it fills the sea a lot of the time on the Utoro side. Um, and this is the same ice flow that we often hope that goes around to the other side of the peninsula and give the eagles something to sit on and eat uh, because that's, you know, that's why, that's why we're over to the other side in Laos for the eagle shoot. Um, it really all depends on whether that ice flow comes around the tip of the peninsula or not, whether that happens. Um, so anyway, uh, on the, the fe on February the 5th, the Friday, we stay in the Shiretoko Daiichi Hotel, um, another great hotel. Uh, and this, this is the place with the, with the Viking boat in the, in the banquet hall. And then um, the following morning, 
Um, oh, hang on. I've got to tell you as well. After the ice flow on the Friday, we will shoot um, a place called Oshin Koshin Falls. Um, and then there's some rocks in the sea that you might remember from the episodes I did on this uh, out there on the Sea of Ohotsuku. And uh, it's, you know, it's a really nice place to just sort of start, spend an afternoon. We might get a sunset. Uh, the following day on, on the Saturday, February the 5th, uh, 6th, sorry, we have a little bit of a lie-in. We don't get up for a dawn shoot on this day. But we will get up relatively early and then leave after a, after an early breakfast to go into the Shiritoko National Park. And we're, we're hoping there to shoot some uh, Ezo deer. Um, Ezo, by the way, just means Hokkaido. It's a lot of the uh, the wildlife here is, is specific to Hokkaido. And one of the old Japanese words for, for Hokkaido is Ezo. And so they, uh, that's basically attached to the name of many of the, the uh, animals that you see there. Um, you know, we, we will almost definitely see deer. We may see fox. Uh, we may have already seen fox uh, during the week as well. Um, but then we'll have a walk through the park. Um, and after that, really, that's that's really the end of the first leg. What we do then is um, if there are any people that are only there for the first leg, we'll drop them them off at the, um, the airport, Memambitsu Airport, and they'll fly back to Haneda Airport in Tokyo from there. Um, the... After that, we then take a, a relatively steady drive over to a place called Onniyu. And this is in between um, the eastern side where, you know, with Shiritoko that we've spent the first half of the, the trip and the central part of Hokkaido where we spend uh, the last four days. Um, and so, you know, this is a nice hotel again. You know, we'll, we'll spend a, have a, a relaxing evening. Um, by this time, people are generally ready for a bit of a relax as well. And so, you know, we'll, we'll basically, uh, we, we do have an option to do some shooting around the hotel. This year, the weather was pretty foul and we were all tired, so we didn't. But if the weather's nice or, or if it's, um, even if it's foul, but we're all up to it, we can shoot. On, there's a nice river runs by the side of the hotel uh, with some, some nice winter scenes. So we can shoot there as well. Um, the next day, we will have, uh, again, an optional dawn shoot. Um, really sort of this, this middle, middle day is, or the middle two days here, the, the end of the, the Saturday, the fifth, uh, sixth, sorry, and Sunday, the seventh are really about getting across to the middle central area of the island. Um, so we can have an optional dawn shoot if everyone's up to it. Um, you, not everybody needs to go. I'll be there if any other, anyone else wants to. Um, then after breakfast though, we'll take a, a long drive over to Mount Asahi which is the, the highest peak in the uh, Taisetsuzan National Park. And we'll stop in a hotel very close to the, uh, they call it a ropeway in, Jap in J uh, Japanese. Uh, it's like a cable car, a big uh, cable car that goes up the side of the mountain. Um, we will, depending on the weather, on that afternoon we'll go up the cable car and shoot at the top of the mountain. If not, we'll be shooting around the, the, um, the area at the bottom of the, um, the ski slopes there, which was some, one of it was a pretty nice thing to shoot um, in the 2009 tour. On the uh, Monday, the, the February the 8th, we will go and we'll be back out um, at dawn, uh, shooting around the around the, the bottom of the um, the cable car again. And again, it really depends on the on the conditions. But you know, we we will definitely you know if conditions are good. Then after breakfast, we'll go back for breakfast. And then after that, we will get on the cable car and go up to the top of the mountain. 
shooting the scenes up there. And if it if it is clear, it'll it's just a it really is one of those winter wonderland sort of scenes. So you know, let's hope I hope that that works out. And then um, by around noon, we'll start to we'll make our way down and we'll take a steady drive over to BA. And that's one of the places we've, we've got the rolling mountains um, with the snow, snow covered mountains, not mountains, hills, I should say. But then there's, um, there's also the, the distant mountains. We can see Mount Asahi from the BA area and the Tokachi Mountains, um, as well as just like you now Tokachi Mountain Range. So that's a beautiful place to shoot in. And we really, you know, that is one of the main areas that we'll spend for the landscape leg. Um, on the morning of the Tuesday the 9th, we will shoot the blue uh, waterfalls that are right next to the hotel in which we'll be staying. Um, that is called the Shirogane Park Hills Hotel, by the way. Um, and we will, you know, after that, we'll, we'll take, you know, going around the, the BA area, we'll probably, on the to, uh, Tuesday, the February the 9th, we will go over to the Tokachi area, and shoot the the um, from the mountains uh, that that place that, that I called heaven on earth uh, with the the blue blue sky nice clouds and then just a, an amazing vista um, winter vista if we have any conditions like that again next year then I'll be happy uh, hopefully everyone else will as well uh, but generally that is where we'll go um, after breakfast on the Tuesday. And then in the afternoon, we'll visit the Takushinkan, which is the gallery of the famous BA photographer Shinzo Maeda. Um, that's one of those things, again, I said in, in the earlier episodes when I covered this, where people saw it on the itinerary, didn't think it was going to be that good, but, it, but were very impressed when we got there. Um, it's just really nice to see how people are depicting the area. And Shinzo Maeda really is the person that opened up BA to photography. He was the person that he quit his job in, in Tokyo uh, moved up there and until he passed away made made his life work photographing the area so it's really nice to see that but then there's there's a lot of photo opportunities around that um, the Takushinkan gallery um, as we saw in the episodes when I covered that um, this this is you know we'll, we'll shoot that maybe a sunset in BA area again we've got the trees around there and then uh, we go back to the Shirogane Park Hills Hotel we actually have two nights in the same hotel there uh, so that's nice. It means we don't have to uproot on the morning um, of this day. And then the last day, we'll have, again, an optional dawn shoot. We might go back out to the falls if people don't think that they didn't get it right the first time. Um, or, you know, we could maybe try and do a, a sunrise. This is this is one of those optional ones again. People are generally getting pretty tired now. We've been on the road for 10 days. Uh, so th these things we'll discuss on the previous night and plan dynamically. Um, then... We'll go into the BA area again, um, possibly to Furano, um, and we'll have the Tokachi mountain range in the background in there. And generally, we'll just be working, continuing to work on uh, landscapes. Um, but then this last day, you know, we actually head back a little bit earlier than we did uh, in 2009. It was a long day, and after the trip, we found that, you know, it, it was pretty tough taking the evening flight back. So we're actually going to come back uh, on the mid-afternoon flight. Uh, and that really concludes the uh, the landscape portion, but also the, the tour. You know, that's, it's, I, I'm saying nine days. It's nine, uh, sorry, ten days. It's, it's ten days by the time you get back, but it's actually nine and a half days uh, actually in the field. Um, but that's it. That's a little bit long-winded, but that's that's a general sort of, rundown of of what we'll see 
Um, so, you know what? I, I've got the what should I bring thing here. Uh, I guess, yeah, let's, let's just go through this. I've been, I've been through this in the last previous you know, years for the same sort of thing. I definitely uh, would suggest that you go over and read this for yourself. But, uh, you know, you'll, you'll generally want an SLR camera. Uh, you could get by with a high-end compact digital uh, camera, um, especially one with a long zoom on it. But, you know, the, the, if they've got any shutter lag uh, that, that will, you know, cost you shots, I would definitely say you'd be better off with an SLRs, uh, SLR camera. Um, but, you know, if, if all you have is a compact digital, you could probably get away with it. Um, if possible, you'll want a second SLR body, and that's so that you can have a, a long telephoto on one and then a, a medium telephoto or maybe even a standard zoom on the second so that you can catch the, the uh, birds as they fly overhead and things like that. Uh, you know, for wildlife photography, having two cameras is definitely uh, going to be a big help. Um, for telephoto lenses, you're going to want no shorter than a 200mm, and if you only have a 200mm, you'll want a 1.4 extender for it. Um, if you have a 70 to 300 or a, a anything up to 300, that's going to be more like it. Um, and if you have a 400 or a 500 or a 600 even, you bring it. It's it's definitely the place that you'll use those at those lenses. Um, no matter what, uh, I would suggest a 1.4 teleconverter or extender, uh, as Canon call them. Um, like I say, especially if you have a 200mm lens, that's, if that's your longest lens, you'll definitely want an extender. Um, you'll also want standard lenses like a 70 to 200 is nice, and then a 24 to 105 or 24 to 70 works. And then, you know, especially if you're going to be going onto the landscape work, then you'll want a wide angle lens as well. Um, I'd say, you know, for macro lenses, I'd say that there will be opportunities like snow close up and things like that. But if if weight's going to be an issue, and it usually is, don't worry about taking a macro lens. Um, and if you if you thought that you, you might need it, maybe a 25 millimeter uh, extension tube or a 25 and a 12 uh, extension tube, not ex not extender, uh, but extension tubes will give your standard zoom enough reach, you know, enough macro um, capability to to make to be a good sort of substitute. So a couple of uh, extenders, uh, sorry, extension tubes would would perhaps help if you if you were worried about that. You'll want a sturdy tripod, um, something good and big. You want it to be probably a foot or so taller than your eye level, if possible, because the legs will stink in the snow. Uh, did I say stink then? Uh, they'll sink in the snow. Uh, you want a cable release uh, or a remote timer switch for the landscape work. And you might you, know, you might be able to use a two-second timer if you don't have one. But if you've got a switch, then bring it. Uh, you'll want a polarizer possibly, um, not for the wildlife work, but more for the, um, for the landscape work. You want spare batteries. And I would say bring at least twice the number of batteries if your camera is older than, uh, newer than sort of, if it was released after 2008 or so, then batteries are definitely getting better. But you'll need um, three times the, the number of batteries that you would normally use if your camera is older than 2008 or so. Uh, the cold literally robs the power from them and, and you'll, you'll find you'll use uh, more batteries. And also you'll be shooting more than you've ever done. Um, you know, I'm pretty much sure of that because there's a lot to shoot and they're long days. So, you know, try to try to bring as many batteries as you can. Um, also, memory, you know, take, uh, I don't know, at least three times what you'd normally shoot, use for a day. Um, if you're a, a wildlife shooter already, 
you'll probably know, but you know, you do shoot a lot when you're shooting birds and things. So uh, I would try to bring probably at least three times what you what you'd normally do. And if you same for film, if you if you're going for film, if you're going to come for the full twelve days, you'll want probably a, I don't know three weeks worth of of film, um, not just two. Uh, but I would say even four weeks worth of film would be better, uh, just because you know you can't really buy it out out in Hokkaido. Uh, so bring as much as you possibly can. Uh, also, you'll you'll want if if possible some sort of a portable storage or a laptop uh, with a with a you know a backup drive or something to uh, off- offload your your cards onto you don't want to be trying to keep the whole trip on just one set of cards um it a it probably would work out more expensive and b it's just it's just you know risky if you drop your card pouch or something you'd be in a mess so you really want to have some way of taking it making a second backup when you're out on the trip on the on the road um you'll want a small sort of led flashlight uh, or you know a headlight one of those things that you put around your head and these things are, are really necessary for the where we're out pre-dawn and we're going to be, um, you know, struggling to see your gear without that. So some sort of a flashlight is good. Um, also, you know, the your just a sort of quick note is that the you know it can be very very cold. Um, it can be quite mild. You know, sometimes it's positively balmy, but you know the uh, it goes from freezing point, which is about thirty-two degrees Fahrenheit, um, to uh, as low as minus 30 d- degrees centigrade, which is 22 degrees Fahrenheit um, in the old early morning shoots. So, you know, you, you really want to be, make sure that your your uh, your gear is, is going to be relatively protected. I find that the cold doesn't really, um, you know, mess with equipment as much as, as, much as people think. Uh, but if it snows a lot, then uh, you're, you're probably going to want to drape a, um, a towel or something over your equipment or you're, you're going to need to have a, a cover or something, whatever you're comfortable with. Uh, I personally don't use a cover. I use a, use a towel and drape it over the top. Um, large handkerchiefs and things will do the job as well, and you can basically find that you can just waft the snow off, you know, flick the snow off then. And if you've got a couple of those, if they really do get, get drenched through, then you can just change them through the day. Um, you're going to want a, a camera bag that fits all of your gear in uh, because, you know, the, to stop the condensation forming, you're going to want that gear to be in the bag before you go into the warm from a cold day. Um, you'll also, uh, you'll want a couple of big um, plastic bags. And what that's for is, uh, you know, often we, when we take, we often leave the camera bag on the bus and just take out what we need for a certain part of the shoot. And then, because the bag's not with you, you when you come back on the bus, it can it can be a little bit warm, um, and so you, you're going to want to put your gear in a plastic bag and sort of tie it up so that you don't get compensa- compensation condensation on your gear uh, when you come into the warm. And you know that's basically just a second um, option for stopping condensation. You'll want some um, rubber bands uh, to to sort of tie the bags up, and also if it really if the weather really is harsh and you you're worried about your gear. You can also use that. Uh, put the put your camera in a bag and then use a, a plastic, uh, sorry, a rubber band to secure the the bag around the lens. Um, let's see. I said about the towel. Uh, so yeah, some kind of taping or foam padding um, on at least one of your tripod legs is also handy because they they get pretty cold and your hands can stick to them in the extreme cold. Um, you know that usually most tripod manufacturers make one of these like foam 
padded legs. Um, you've got uh, a number of options there. So that's all about your gear. Uh, but for yourself, you're going to want some good thermal underwear. Um, you know, we call them long johns in the UK, and I, I heard some people on Twip la uh, laughing about this recently, so I probably should uh, just put a little bit of a disclaimer in there that I can't think of a better way to say it, but, you know, long thermal under, under, underpants if you're in the US, so, you know, under trousers, whatever. Um, and also a, a long sleeve thermal, um, not A, sorry, long, long sleeve thermal shirts, undershirts are good. And then you'll want um, some sort of a quilted trousers like the ones that you use for skiing, but not loud colours. Um, blacks or even whites would be good, um, but you don't really want them to be um, like bright red and things like that. Um, also, you'll, you'll be better off if they're waterproof or at least sort of you know, spray proof. Um, because, you know, if the snow starts to melt, it could be uncomfortable if they were totally non-waterproof. Um, you'll want a down jacket or a waterproof, some sort of a waterproof jacket that's preferably Gore-Tex uh, or similar. And that will, uh, you know, if you if it's not a down jacket, you'll want a thick, warm fleece underneath that. Um, I find that uh, some sort of thin fleeces or mid-shirts also are useful and you know, if you have an undershirt and then a, a normal sort of a thin fleece and a bigger one on the top and then a, a, an outer shell, a waterproof outer shell, then that's that's usually fine for even the coldest of the weather. And also, if you're using multi-layers, then you can take off a layer much more easily, um, you know, than, than if, you, if you're wearing stuff that's just one layer that's really, really warm. Um, but, you know, basically just you know just common sense if you if you're used to working in the cold then you'll probably know all about this uh, if not you know if you are worried about these things just just ask when you um you know when you when you're doing your planning and I'll try and give as much advice as possible um you'll want thermal boots some sort of a i mean hi normal hiking boots don't work that well you'll want uh, ideally um some good big thermal boots um, I think mine are rated down to minus 70 degrees Celsius uh, minus 30 or 40 would be fine um, the you know you'll also want something that is ideally it's got a, a good sole on it for walking in snow and ice um, and you'll also want some thick warm socks these these are usually hiking big winter hiking socks are good um, you'll also want a, a warm hat or a hood on your jacket something to cover your head and your ears um, when the when the wind's blowing, um, some thermal gloves. I I would often say you know some either some very thin gloves or some nice warm gloves, but have the the fingertips sort of cut out on them or ones that you can flip back, uh, so that that gives you a little bit of dexterity. You can you can operate your camera and that with those, and also sometimes if you if you do feel the cold, you might want a second larger pair of overgloves or mittens, which um, would go over your first pair. And at the times when you, you really feel as though, you know, say we're just standing around waiting for something to happen, um, you know, you might want a little bit of extra protection there. Um, and also, like I say, I mean, I've mentioned here again, polar fleeces. If you have a, a three or four fleeces that you can bring with you, um, we, we very rarely will be in a, a place long enough for you to do any washing. Um, and, you know, as the group grows, the, most hotels will have one washing machine or two. So you could do some, but you know, the, as the group grows, if people, if everyone starts to try to do that, then you'll be, you might be in a mess. So try and bring sort of three or four 
good uh, polar fleeces if you can as well. Um, so I go on to mention the thin fleeces here. I've already mentioned that hand warmers um, and foot warmers. I'll I actually will send um, a couple of boxes of the chemical foot warmers and you know the ones that go in your boots and ones for your hands. Uh, I'll send those on um, and we'll have those on the bus for people to grab whenever they need them. Um, if you want to use the solid fuel, uh, the, you know, the, the hand warmers that burn solid fuel, uh, I use those and they are good. They, they're, you know, pretty warm. Um, I, the thing is, you know, bring them along, but if you need the solid fuel, you won't be able to take it on the plane. It'll be confiscated from you. So if you need solid fuel, um, and I can get it here in Japan, then I will, uh, I, you know, I can source that for you and then send it on and it'll save you getting it confiscated and having nothing to burn. Uh, so let me know if you need that. Um, also, if you're prone to seasickness, um, see your doctor or ask a, a, quali a qualified um, chemist or whatever for advice on what seasickness medication to use. Um, and just bring that, you know, it's just basically for the morning that we go out on the boat shooting the eagles. Um, I can't provide that, of course. It's, you know, it wouldn't be wise for me to, to be handing out medication. Uh, so if you're worried about that, bring your own. Um, but to be honest, you know, we're, we're usually that excited that no one gets a chance to get seasick. Um, yeah, so, but if you, if you are worried, bring your own medication. Uh, so finally, the, you know, the, the all important stuff, how much does all of this cost? Um, so I've actually, you know, I'm banking on larger numbers this year. So I've actually shaved off a few of the costs here and there. Um, but, uh, you know, some things do seem a little bit more expensive because um, we've got an extra day in and things like that. Uh, but I'll, I'll run through the uh, the package. Uh, all, all of the prices are in yen, but basically, you know, an average of 100 yen per dollar is what um, is what you pay. So, you know, I'll mention both, but use the use the dollar amount as a guideline. Um, so the full package, which is the the three day uh, trip out to Nagano to shoot the snow monkeys and the uh, 10 day wildlife and landscape tour in Hokkaido, which is uh, 11 nights in hotels. Uh, all of that, including the chartered bus uh, in both locations, flights to and from Hokkaido, uh, all meals and everything, all of all of the trips, can, you know, they basically have all of the meals and accommodation, travel, everything all included. The full three tour package is 495,000 yen, and that's about $4,950. And you're actually with this, I said before that, you know, it's a little bit cheaper if you do these in packages and you're actually saving $550 off the individual prices here. The wildlife package uh, with the snow monkeys and the wildlife uh, in Hokkaido without, you know, not going on to the landscape package is uh, 353,000 yen and that's about $3,530. Again, here you're saving a little, it's $170 off the individual price tour. Um, the Hokkaido wildlife uh, and Hokkaido landscape tours, so basically you don't go on the snow monkey shoot. Uh, that's uh, a 10-day tour, and that is 410,000 yen, which is about $4,100. And this actually includes one more night in a hotel uh, than the individual tours. And you get a little bit more relaxation and, and that as well. There's a little bit of additional shooting. Um, and this, that's really despite it being $400 cheaper than the individual tours. Uh, so, you know, put together that is, of course. 
So a good deal there. Um, you can go on any of the tours individually. Um, if you wanted to go just on the Snow Monkeys tour, that's a hundred thousand yen, which is about a thousand dollars. The five and a half day wildlife tour, because you know you won't get any shooting at the end of the sec- at the end of the, f- the sixth day. Um, the 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 first leg of the Hokkaido tour is two hundred and seventy thousand yen, and that's uh, two thousand seven hundred dollars. And then the the landscape leg of the Hokkaido trip is one hundred and eighty thousand yen, and that's uh, about one thousand eight hundred dollars. So, um, just to, you know, what's included in the package? Basically, we have a chartered bus driver, uh, a chartered bus with a professional driver. Um, that will take us around both the snow this for the snow monkeys and the Hokkaido it's a different different company of course but um you know basically it's so it's all we have our own, the transport um the in, for the Nagano thing we'll spend two nights in a traditional Japanese inn called Ryokan. Uh they have lots of hot spring baths and things and really nice traditional Japanese food um the for the Hokkaido um trip we will also have uh the, we include the flight to uh, Hokkaido from Haneda Airport. Um, if you need, actually, you know, say if you wanted to join but you lived in Hokkaido, for instance, um, or you wanted to make your own way up there, then, you know, we could arrange to meet at the uh, at the airport and you, and I would obviously knock the cost off the, of the flights off for you, things like that. So if you, if you want anything that's not covered here, just let me know and we'll figure out the price and I'll, uh, I'll send you a, an invoice, um, you know, separately. Um, basically though, you know, chartered buses, all entrance fees for planned things like, um, getting into the monkey park in Nagano or, uh, the cost of going out on the boat, uh, or to get into some of the crane centers and things in Hokkaido, all of this, all meals, um, hotels, everything is all included. Um, so basically uh, once, once we pick you up and you don't have to pay for anything until we drop you off again at the end of the trip. Um, but what there are a few things that are not included that we should just mention. Um, obviously, if you're coming to Japan from outside of Japan for the for the trip, then <clears throat> excuse me, your your flights to and from Japan are not included. Um, or any travel that you do to get to the meeting points, you know, you may have train travel or taxis and things, that's not included. Also, if you if you do join the Snow Monkeys and the Hokkaido tours, as I said, the the cost of the hotels on the Saturday and the Sunday night are not included either. Um, but ben, basically, like I said, everything else once you once you're with us, that's pretty much it. Um, they also the let's see, there is one other thing. Um, actually, there's a couple of things. Sorry. Uh, so travel insurance, I can't take out travel insurance for you, um, as, even as the organizer of the tour. Um, so, you know, you'll have to make sure that you have travel insurance and also make sure that your gear is fully covered. Um, and if you have domestic insurance, it might not cover, uh, international, um, you know, travel. So make sure that you're, that you are fully, in- so a lot of, a lot of, uh, insurance companies will allow you to add international for a, a short period at a, at a nominal fee. So just make sure that your gear is insured as well. Um, the, let's see. Beverages. Uh, if we have any drinks with meals and that at night or stuff like that, then generally that's not included as well. I did buy um, two rounds of drinks in in the 2009 tour, 
but we also took it took it in turns with a number of other people buying on other nights, and that generally tends to be what happens. Um, but it's not 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 including us of the of the trip. All meals, everything else is. Also, if we decide to go to go to a facility or something that you know, like a, an ad hoc sort of visit to something, um, if it's not a lot of money, then generally I'll 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 pay for that. But um, if you know, if everyone agreed and we wanted to go somewhere that cost a little bit of money, then we may have to take some uh, for that. But generally, everything that's planned is included. Um, so reservation, how do you re- reserve your space? Um, you can. Uh, let's see. For each individual tour, uh, you if you were to go on just one individual of the individual tours, then you you have to reserve your space by paying a uh, a reservation fee of thirty thousand yen, which is about three hundred dollars per person, um, and that's for any individual tour. If you if you go on any of the packages, be it a two or three tour package, um, you have to pay a a deposit of fifty thousand yen, which is about five hundred dollars. Uh, to secure your place. The remaining balance is going to be due no later than November 28, 2009. Uh, once you decide uh, which package or, or workshop that you want to attend, you'll have to read the disclaimer at the, at the, on the, um, the bottom of the, the, web, the website, um, generally stuff that we've already talked about. Um, but uh, read that, and if you agree, there are buttons at the bottom of the, um, at the, bottom of the page Basically, you can pay either the deposit for any any one of the legs uh, or packages, or you can actually pay in full. Um, but you know the deposit is enough to get you on to secure your place. Um, once you've done that, I will send you a an a, a PayPal invoice where you can um, you know you you'll pay the remainder the balance by November twenty eighth. Um, but you know, just the deposit is enough to secure your your uh, your space. The ca- the cancellation policy I've added this year. Um, basically, if you cancel your reservation within thirty days of payment, um, but no later than November twenty eighth, then I'll deposit your refund in full. If you cancel in writing uh, after the thirty days um, and no later than November twenty eighth, I'll refund your deposit, um, but uh, did I just say after November 28th, before, no later than uh, November 28th, then I'll refund your, your deposit, but I'll remove uh, 10,000 yen or $100 um, to cover the transaction costs and things like that. If you cancel after November 28th, 2009, your deposit is not refundable. If something came up after you, you'd paid the balance, um, then you know if you cancel less than two weeks before the... Uh, the start of the tour, then you'll you'll get less. Um, is that right? Um, if it's if it's if you cancel before the two weeks before the start date, um, then uh, I'll basically refund fifty percent of the cost of your tours unless I can fill that space again. If we had say a cancellation list and we can make it work out, then um, I would basically refund all of everything but your deposit. Um, but you know, th- these are this. All of these details are there on the page. Take a look. Um, it, it makes probably makes better sense than the way I've just said it. Um, so there, there it is. The you know, as I say, the there are payment buttons on the page. Um, there are twelve uh, spaces. Um, you know, we we've actually sold a third already. So you know, don't don't take too long making your making your mind up. But you know, come along if you are thinking about it. 
and and book your space and uh, we'll we'll see you in Japan uh, for the either the snow monkeys and or the uh, the Hokkaido tour next year and it really is going to be you know an amazing trip again I uh, I'm look forward looking forward to seeing uh, anyone that's anyone that signs up and um, you know that's really it we'll we just uh, again it's been amazing seeing this thing grow the first year was was amazing um, five day tour and that was and then a nine day tour in in 2009 and uh, we're going to we're going on for a, you know a total of 12 days for 2010 there's a lot of interest people um, people are really getting fired up about this and and that makes me happy of course and um, and so you know like I say if you if you're thinking of coming make your mind up uh, do get, get over to the site and take a look uh, if you do want any more information um, to you know to help you make your mind up then either use the contact form on the on the site or email me as I say at workshops at martinbaileyphotography.com and I'll try and help you with any of the details uh, that you you know anything that you you need to know uh, to help you make your mind up so that's it that's a long podcast um I, I was hoping to get through that quicker but it just shows there's a lot to get through there's a lot that we're doing so uh, hopefully it's been helpful if it and it will have at least made it uh, easier than having to read the whole page if you uh, if you you're like me and you don't really like reading um the there are other other areas on the page that i didn't touch on and as well the example images if you if you want a little bit of incentive go along and take a look there um also, like I said, you know, listen to the to the wrap up of the the 2009 trip as well. That was that was pretty, um, you know, a lot of information in there, um, and we'll have a little bit more in the the 2010 trip. Um, quick piece of housekeeping is that uh, I I've locked off, I've um, closed the the assignment for April um, at the end of the month, and uh, you know we, we've just started voting. Uh, that was on humorous. And it turned out to be not very funny for me. I couldn't, I couldn't get anything. Um, but I, we've also started the uh, the May assignment, and the theme for that is nothing in focus. And this, you know, it, it's basically we're going to end up with a lot of abstract images. Um, but also, you know, not not being in focus could mean that you know you've you've focused away from any of the subjects in the scene. Uh, but also, you could have focused, but then wiggle your camera around a little bit as you, as you, uh, you know, as you make the exposure. So nothing is actually sharp. So it could be sort of interpreted either way. Uh, but it's another one of those fun ones. You know, have a have a play with it. And as usual, your your um, assignment images can be uploaded until the end of the month, end of May, just about anywhere in the world. And then I'll lock the assignment gallery, and we'll start the voting process for that again. Um, but that's it. I'm I'm going to sign off for now. Um, I know that I've forgot to say some things, and I can't remember what they are, and that's why I've forgotten them. But uh, it's been long enough anyway, so I'll get off now, and we'll uh, we'll speak again next week. So you have a great week, whatever you're doing. Bye bye. The Martin Bailey Photography Podcast is a proud member of the Photocast Network. Find this and other great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com.